Superhumanize. Accelerated Evolution. Welcome to another episode of the Superhumanize podcast. Today, we have the privilege of delving into the extraordinary life and wisdom of Suzanne Gizuman. With a background as a former U.S. Navy commander, Suzanne's journey took an incredible turn as she embraced her calling to become a metaphysical teacher and medium. Recognized as one of the Watkins list of the 100 most spiritually influential living people, Suzanne's work merges the realms of 21st century spirituality and ancient wisdom with her unique approach to understanding consciousness and the interconnectedness of all things. A former U.S. Navy commander who served as a commanding officer and as an aide to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, today Suzanne guides people to the awareness of a greater reality. She has published 14 books and YouTube videos with over 9 million views. She produces the Awakened Way app and hosts the popular Messages of Hope podcast. Her gift of multidimensional communication has been verified by noted afterlife researchers, and her messages bring not only hope, but healing and love that goes straight to the heart. In our conversation today, we will dive deep into Suzanne's personal journey uncovering the transformative experiences and lessons that have shaped her path. We will explore her perspectives on death and how we can collectively move beyond hope to a true knowing of something greater. We will also look into the latest research and studies that support her work, offering a thought-provoking blend of science and spirituality. Join us as we journey with Suzanne and look into how she's transforming lives and expanding our understanding of what it means to be human in an interconnected universe. Join us as Suzanne shares how she's transforming lives and expanding our understanding of what it means to be human in an interconnected universe. summer and I have passionately dedicated the last 12 years of my life to creating the ultimate human experience mentally, physically and spiritually based on the most powerful ancient teachings and cutting edge modern discoveries and technologies. The Superhumanized Podcast is a show committed to sharing what I have learned from the world's leading experts in order to help you achieve your full potential and create your best life ever. Suzanne, welcome to the Superhumanized Podcast. I'm so glad we get to connect. Oh, me too. Thank you. I love the energy already. Likewise. And a shout out to our mutual friend, Jennifer Hill, who's also been a guest on this podcast for connecting us. I love when it happens this way, when it's the connections come via friends and it basically goes from mind to mind, heart to heart. Heart, Yeah. I would like to start this conversation with, if you don't mind, if you could share with us your personal journey and how you transitioned from being a U.S. Navy commander to becoming who you are today, which is a messenger of hope and also a spiritual teacher for countless people around the world. You bet. It's very important that people understand that I had no idea I would one day be 
a spiritual teacher or a medium helping people connect with their loved ones who have passed. I never saw spirits, didn't really know whether to believe or not in a greater reality and was raised with no religion, just like a blank slate. I went into the military right after college, was commissioned an officer in the Navy and served a, a very tr traditional career for a woman. I served ashore my whole career, but I had the honor of being a commanding officer of a shore unit. I was a special assistant to the head of the Navy and then was asked by the head of the entire United States military, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, to be his aide, his right-hand woman. And that was just a super honor, flying on Air Force One with the president and meeting with kings and queens, sitting in on top secret hearings on Capitol Hill. Really, it was I was experiencing the military at the highest levels and going to the White House. I was, have been in the Situation Room, the Oval Office. It's, it was a tremendous career. And so if anybody had said to me back then, you're going to be talking to people who have passed and talking to angels and spirit guides, if I had told anybody that, they would have taken my security clearance away. <laughs> <laughs> but I was in the last aircraft in U.S. airspace on 9-11. And we turned around when we got the news about the attacks and came back to our office building, the Pentagon, and staring at that gaping hole started my spiritual journey as I started asking the deep life questions that we all ask at some point in our life. Now, why is life so short for some people? Why are some people in the wrong place at the wrong time? Is this all there is? And I did not find uh, satisfactory answers at the time. I turned to traditional religion very briefly, and it just wasn't helping at all. So the very day I was retirement eligible after 9-11, I retired. And the next day, my husband and I literally sailed off into the sunset on our sailboat. For me, it was like running away from reality to live this idyllic life, sailing the seas. We crossed the Atlantic Ocean. We were sailing around. Uh, we were off of Croatia, however, when life caught up to me in the form of a phone call that let us know that my stepdaughter, Susan, my husband's youngest daughter, who was a sergeant in the Marine Corps, had been struck by lightning and killed along with her unborn baby. So we, of course, flew home immediately. And looking at Susan's body in the casket was the real life-changing moment for me because I just knew, and I know now it was the soul that it knew, that there's something that animates this body besides the brain, that there is a spark, a spirit. And Susan was so vibrant and that body was so clearly just a vessel once that spirit was no longer in it. I just made it my mission, a new mission right then and there. I'm going to connect with Susan. I'm going to find her. And that mission started me meditating daily. And that opened me up to world's realities I had no idea existed. It was all pretty much a result of that meditation, but then a reading with a medium that just took it to another level. That's the abridged version. Mm. Thank you, Suzanne. And I'm thank you for sharing that. And I'm really curious. So uh, you mentioned the reading with the medium and the meditation. Was there a particular moment where you felt that all of a sudden your world had changed or your perception of the world had changed forever? No doubt about it. That was when I took my husband to a medium. He told me years later, Ariane, that he didn't even know what a medium was. <laughs> 
he went with me just because I said, let's go. What This is going to be good. And he's, he's trained to say, yes, dear. <laughs> he's also, uh, he's a former Navy captain. And so I knew we'd only get one chance because if it was somebody that just gave no evidence that our Susan was there, if she just said, oh, you have this lovely light around you and everything's fine, that would not have cut it. But this woman brought through evidence that our Susan was right there with us, things she couldn't have known that left both of us sobbing, including the fact that this these are the words from the medium, this young woman in a brown uniform who died rather suddenly, and I have this electrical feeling running up and down my arm, is standing here in front of you, sir, saying, Daddy, and she wants to introduce to you a little baby boy. It was She was going to have a boy. We knew that already. There was just no doubt. Yeah, that's uh, incredible. And Suzanne, you yourself are an evidential medium, which means you deliver messages that are backed by evidence for those who have transitioned. um, There's two things I would really like to know, and I'm sure some people in the audience are also curious about this. The example you just gave with the reading that you got from the medium you and your husband went to, that is, uh, I think the correct word in English would be uncanny, right? Because that's... Wow. Yeah. And how do you actually bridge the gap between the physical and the spiritual realm to get, connect in this yeah. deep and profound way? The gap is simply a gap in frequency. I like to I teach people how to connect because I realize if I can connect with my background, anybody can connect. You do not have to have been seeing spirits your whole life. So the best analogy I can give you is to recognize that just like TV signals are in the room with us right now, and we need a special instrument to display them, this body is our instrument, and we can learn to tune it to the realms where the frequency is higher. And that's the only reason we're not aware that the the non-physical realms are interpenetrating this one right now, but our instrument isn't allowing that to happen. So I just teach people how to make a shift in focus, in attention, with your intention. And it's just like pushing a remote control. What realm do you want to visit? The astral realm where we go immediately after we die, the angelic realm, the realm of the masters. Your intention gets you there just by uh, training yourself to achieve an expanded state of consciousness and then just shifting just like that. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I know you also teach these things. So people can actually learn from you how to do that, how to tap into their own reservoir of connection, of knowingness. It's just so rewarding to know that we can connect not only with other people's loved ones for mediumship. That's the main purpose for healing and like that medium did for our family. But I teach many courses just to help people connect with their own loved ones, which is what most people really want to do. And it's just such a blessing, especially when you realize that there are systems to help you do that. And those across the veil want to let us know they're here so they will abide by the systems. When I learned that with my left brain background, I said, you mean anybody can do this because they'll work with us? That just opened a door that I didn't even know was there. Mm. Mm-hmm. This is something I have personally been fascinated with for many years, and especially within the context of death, which many people fear deeply. And so many of us 
don't have a bigger, fuller, greater understanding of what death is because we work within the paradigms of, quote, knowledge that have been given to us by whichever respective culture we're living in. What is your perspective on death? And oh, my gosh. Completely changed from decades ago. My husband and I had this discussion last night that neither one of us has any fear of death. Mm. None, because I know that what awaits us is absolutely beautiful, peaceful, and filled with love. But when you realize that we are all souls now, we don't have to wait to die to experience that. And when you get rid of the fear of death, then what is there to be afraid of here? Pain is part of life here. It is always temporary. We learn to get our ego out of the way. That's the only death we need to work on, right? The death of the ego regularly that tries to keep us separate from each other, keep us from knowing that we are souls now. And that's what makes the connection with other souls possible. It's, I teach all of this in a process or a, not really a process, just a way of living called the awakened way. And that's principle number one. You're not only human right now. You are a soul and a human. Yeah. And the second one is you're part of one big web, connecting everything, connecting all that is, which is why synchronicities happen, which is why we can connect with those across the veil, which is why we can pick up on other people's thoughts here. The web just reveals itself more and more, the more we create space in our mind through contemplative practices. Mm-hmm. And the realization, so there is a hope, a longing desire, wouldn't it be great if that is inside of many people who are not in the knowingness yet of that everything is interconnected and that we can communicate with each other now, those of us that are here now in the, in the form that we know means life and those that have transitioned as well. So if we were all centered in that knowingness, the world would look so different and in such a beautiful way. You are a member of the evolutionary leader circle and your mission is to contribute to the evolution of consciousness. Can you talk a little bit more about this, Suzanne? We're seeing it all around us and, and these are growth pains that we're experiencing. Mm. Uh, People say that things have never been worse, and oh, they have been. And they say that this is the worst time ever. I picked up a book the other day in a used bookstore, and I started reading the first page of the book, and it talked about how the world is going to hell, and, and people are at each other's throats, and listing all these things. And a little voice said, check the date of this book. And I looked, and it was 1948. Mm -hmm. And so we focus on the negative because that's the way we're hardwired. But if you look around, that people are more open than ever to the fact that consciousness is fundamental. That's the web. That's the, what connects us. When you really learn that what I do to you affects me, what everybody does affects each other, that's the connectedness. And we start to pay attention to being kind and caring and compassionate to each other because we really are brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. So how can the the work is always starts within oneself, of course, and from right. there it extend, extends outward. How do you communicate about this to people who may be on a different part of their journey at the moment and who may not 
be completely open to this yet. Maybe curious, but maybe bogged down with, oh, this is how it's always been. Humanity is just inherently lost, evil, whatnot. And this is just how it's always been. This is how it's always going to be. And it meaning this sense of disconnectedness and divisiveness and strife. Happily, there is this part in each one of us. It's the soul that's nudging every one of us to know there's something more, that love really is the answer. It's just if you have a cement parking lot and there's a crack in it, a, a weed will come up or a flower will come up because that growth is innate. It just has to happen. So there's a reason why some people might say, oh, this is BS. It's not true at all, but I want to know a little more. So I encourage people to practice what I call the three E's. And that's the three E's of the awakened way. I love acronyms and memory devices. But the first E is educate yourself about the non-physical world, about what I call the greater reality. Read near-death experiences. See the commonality that thousands of people have had when their bodies die, but their brain died, but their consciousness did not. Read about, read channeled words from those who claim to be channeling and see how it feels in your heart. Read the spiritual masters. Just educate yourself. Watch YouTube videos that are that you're called to watch. The second E then is experience for yourself. This is critical because you can watch great podcasts like this. You can read all you want and it's still theory until you have the experience. And that's what changed my life. I had the experience of someone who had no idea who I had who had died and didn't know my last name. I had that experience that Susan was right there in the room. And then through meditation, I had visits from her and then other people's loved ones. So how do you get experience quickly? Go to YouTube and watch my video called No Other, No, No More Meditation Excuses. It's a three-minute practice. And there's no excuse for not taking three minutes every day for three weeks with this very simple practice to train your brain to notice how the thoughts arise and notice which ones stand out and then take it from there. But you start to have new experiences. Combine that with an intention to find out if there's something more, and then you'll get the practice, the third E, which is engage higher consciousness. So while you're experiencing a meditative state, a nice expanded state, and you, you hear a voice or you see an image that has no reason to have just popped into your mind, you engage it by saying, what's that all about? Or who is this? And take it from there. So it's not linear. You can do any of those steps at any time, but educate yourself, experience for yourself, and engage higher consciousness. Excellent. Thank you for explaining these three E's, Suzanne. And I'm curious because you just also mentioned thoughts or images. When you have these visitations or when you're in the presence and connection with the energy, let's say from loved ones that have transitioned, how do those usually manifest for you specifically? Yes. It, and I'm glad you put it that way because it is different for each person. For me, I have a beautiful mixture of images that come in the screen of my mind, not out in the room, but I can have my eyes open and still be aware of it. I hear 
Polaris day, sentences, conversations, real-time conversations with people who have passed. It's not just data. They're funny, they're humorous, they're interactive, they're incredibly clever and creative. And I get sensations, emotions, and physical symptoms in my own body that show how the person passed, very evidential. And then I just have an absolute knowing of what they're trying to show me. So those are all of the, the ways that any spirit can get through anybody. And it just flows depending on how good the spirit is at using each of those mm -hmm. modalities. I don't, to this point, see the spirit's faces clearly, but I see charades. So it's like I just see these hands acting out certain symbols. They show me memories. So I see many images, but not the faces yet. Yet the other day, I brought through a woman's white German shepherd, saw it clear as day. And she said, oh my gosh, that's my baby. I wanted to hear from him. And it was amazing. Oh, goodness. And does this, since you all have been practicing this for a long time now, is this so deeply ingrained that you can, I don't know if this would be the right word, but switch it on at a moment's notice? I know that can happen. I, it, to me, it's such sacred work that I like to take just a few minutes to get totally settled and shift. It's a different state of consciousness. But now and then I get what I call drop-ins when a spirit was just suddenly makes itself known to me. And I'll mm -hmm. say, who is this? Who do you belong to? And that's always magical. But uh, I was just having a conversation the other day about this, that many mediums happily are just turned their ability is turned off while we're interacting in normal waking consciousness because it, we would burn out. Right. That makes sense. And Suzanne, in, in your teaching, you also merge the latest scientific understanding about consciousness with ancient spiritual wisdom and also with your practices. Could you share some examples of how science and spirituality can complement each other. You bet. And yeah. Yeah. The big, the basic one is, and it comes down to quantum physics. And I was a liberal arts major and I do not pretend to be any kind of expert in quantum physics and, but just enough to be dangerous. And the most important one is one I've been reading about for over a decade now, and that's the non-locality and entanglement that shows that there is no time and space at the level of quantum physics. We don't have to wait for signals to be transferred. There's instant connection with us and those who are in non-physical bodies. And why I say that you really need to get on board with 21st century spirituality is because late in the last century that these experiments in non-locality, meaning no geographic location, just instantly, and entanglement were proved. And the three scientists involved in these experiments were just, of, in the last year, awarded the Nobel Prize in physics. Any scientist who, who's trying to poo-poo the fact that there is a greater reality, that the, the consciousness is primary and, and separate from the brain, is um, still in the last century. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so I think that something that often stands in the way of us connecting with the greater whole, with oneness, is the story or the 
oftentimes also the, the type of narrative that we have in our heads that keeps us from surrendering into connection and into this innate soul awareness. So how can we work on surrendering this story and actually opening ourselves up to the greater reality? This is one of the benefits of doing this three-minute practice, which I call the SIP of the divine, and that stands for sit in peace. So you sit in peace for three minutes a day and you watch your thoughts. And the more you watch your thoughts go like clouds passing through the sky, you realize your basic nature as a soul is that clear blue sky. And all of your thoughts and sensations, all your feelings just pass through. And you start to see that is the narrative, that the personality, everything that you identify as me is temporary. But there's this part of us that never changes. That's the soul. So once you start noticing the thoughts, now you're training yourself in awareness, in presence. Mm -hmm. And if you can just start questioning the thoughts that pop up randomly, you can't control those thoughts, but you can set the intention to be aware of those thoughts, to question them. And once you do that and see that they're not serving you, do they serve you or not? the ones that don't serve you, you actually can repattern your whole energy field with positive thoughts, with empowering thoughts, and those become the ones that you act on more than the old ones. Once I learned that raising our consciousness increases our connection with those across the veil, I started paying attention to any time that I felt anything less than loving or kind or compassionate to myself or others. And I'll tell you, the ones you live with are the best teachers for that because our partners always push our buttons, right? And we want to come back at them and give them, knock, knock heads with people. But when you see that they're pointing out in you something that you can change, why do they need to change? If we start looking for the positive, focusing on gratitude and changing our own thoughts, our entire energy field changes, synchronicities start happening more, we are more loving. We're more peaceful and we open up a beautiful connection with guides and loved ones across the veil. Mm, absolutely. And I think a really very helpful part of this to help shifting our thoughts, changing our thought patterns is also to, so the thoughts, of course, influence our body also on a biochemical level. We can also, via the body, help the thoughts and emotions calm down by actively seeking out practices that will calm our nervous system. It could be meditation, it could be yoga, it could be sound and breath work, all of these things that get us out of this, the, especially the negative chatter that just keeps us from truly opening up to our full potential. You have discussed something that you call the ability to shapeshift and to merge into other fields. So whether it's during readings or in, if we want to so-call it real life, just for lack of better words. So could you talk about the, could you talk about this a little further and also what kind of a technique you yeah. use? I, I know I have, I've used the word shapeshift occasionally in the past, but really that merging is a better imagery for what we're doing. You set the intention to connect with someone or some being in non-physical form, realizing that you are an energetic field. 
and you invite them to merge with you so clearly that you become one field. And then you notice what is different from my field. This must be that other person. And that's how you can describe personality and characteristics and pick up anything they want to share with you. I, I, I teach people that you can connect with famous people across the veil. Experiment with that. If you do that, they will come to you if it serves the greater good, not if it's an ego trip or something you want to use to entertain other people. But once you do sense a presence, that's where the engage part comes in. I often feel a little knocked off balance. In fact, there was a moment, I can't wait to see this program in video later, near the beginning of this interview, Ariane, where I felt suddenly dizzy and lightheaded. It knocked me off balance. And I noticed this wispy smoke coming up behind me. I've never seen that. And it, it just startled me for a second. And I know that somebody stepped in. I think it was my stepdaughter because it was right when we were talking about her. But normally I can tell it's her, but it was that was a little merging that was taking place there. But when you have that merging take place and you hold that awareness in a nice expanded state, when I'm doing a reading, I'll often take on the characteristics and the gestures of those who have passed. I have a wonderful video clip of a reading I did where I had this young man, the, my couple on the screen, it was their son in the spirit world. And I started talking like this and talking in his language. It wasn't affected. It was just coming out of me this way. And you see them on the screen going like this. And they say, oh my God, because it was their son. Or I'll, all of a sudden, I'll have to sit up straight. I couldn't slouch if I wanted to. And I say, your dad was in the military. I know this. <laughs> I mean, that kind of thing. Because we carry those energy patterns with us, even across the veil. Mm. Beautiful. <laughs> the one thing are the, the souls, the presences of those that have departed. And throughout your work, you also emphasize the importance of spirit guides. Can you explain their role in, in medium, mediumship and how they provide guidance and also yes. how can we establish connection to them? Yes, I do, I do uh, monthly webinars and the one we just did on May 9th included a lot of channeled information from my guide about how guides work with us and the fact that they know everything about us. It, my guide was funny. He said, it's like when I was the aide to the head of the military, they are our aides. They don't go to sleep or rest. They don't really sleep, but they don't rest till we go to sleep. They're on duty before we wake up because they are just watching us. They're with us all the time. If people realize that we have these non-physical helpers who will do anything they can to guide us and nudge us, even if we don't see them. And I don't see my guides, but I get really good insights and they use a tool that I love to teach people. They snag my attention. And when you set the intention to allow yourself to be snagged by your guide, like I'm glancing around the room here and suddenly I'm snagged by a picture on the wall over there. Now you do what I call pulling the thread. Okay, why am I supposed to pay attention to that picture? And then an insight will come. Look at the clock right now, and you look at the clock, and it's 11.11. And it's just a little magical moment. Just these snags happen all the time, and they show you. You have this helper who's right here. Magical, magical moments from guides. You ask for guidance instead of just wandering around saying, I don't know what to do about this problem. Should I sell my house? Should I quit my job? And that energy just dissipates. 
But what if you at least allowed yourself to believe I have a guide who has the bigger picture than I do right here, who can see what's coming in my immediate future at least. And I said from my heart to this guide, even if I've never met you, please show me in a very clear way, do I quit my job now or do I sell the house or why do I have so many food cravings? I'm tired of this. Show me why and show me what to do. That will produce results. And then you just start this relationship that opens and blossoms and you realize you've had this being with you who loves you more than life itself your whole life. And it's life changing. So these snags, this is actually something I love the way you describe that, Suzanne. Is this something you, so you would just with intention, let's say, start the day uh, saying, I am open for snags. Please snag. Yeah. yeah. So you have a pull on a sweater. That's because yep. you snagged it. And you wouldn't normally pull the thread. But in this case, it's going to catch, something's going to catch your attention. And pulling the thread means you notice there must be a reason. What is it with that? What? And the thing I've come to learn is that all of our thoughts are not our own. We're part of one sea of consciousness. So if thoughts put in your mind, you're, you're going down the street and you see a nail salon and the sign snags you and you have no intention of getting your nails done, but you stop and you say, hmm, wonder why that snagged me. I think I'll get my nails done. And you go in and you end up sitting down next to your high school friend that you haven't seen in 10 years. You know, what snagged you? Could it have been a guide who knows that friend is in there? and grabbed your attention with the sign and put the thought in your head, go now. That's how it works. You, when you start to connect the dots like that, life becomes wondrous, magical, fun, and it flows. Very much. I have followed these types of snags also for pretty much all of my life, not consciously first, but to this day, now it is something that I consciously also do when I feel a draw towards something and it comes from that space that is neutral or even a little excited. Yes. I always follow yes. it. When it comes from a place that's when we all can maybe get a little anxious or fearful at times. But so when it's our something that's more speaking from fear and it's not necessarily intuition or connectivity, I actually have learned to sort those out as those to me have not been real snags, but anything that's comes from this place, it just feels so good. And you don't know why, but like you just said, yeah, okay, I'm going to get my nails done and see what comes my way. Yes. Always been excellent guidance. So that was an example of the guides doing that. But I remember being on a bike ride with my husband, a very hot day. We were in Sacramento, California and traveling around the country. I'd never been on this trail. And I was snagged by a billboard. Now, there were many billboards, but why the billboard? So you ask, why the billboard? And suddenly in my mind comes the image of this man in spirit who owned a billboard company. I had brought him through for his son many months earlier. And at that time, his father and spirit showed me they're going to have a baby and it's going to be a boy. And when I was snagged by that billboard, I said, 
they had the baby, didn't they? And he said, yes. And then he gave me all this information. They named the baby, middle, the middle name after me. They put his name up on a billboard in New York City, all these other things. And as hot as it was, 107 degrees, I said to my husband, we got to stop. I have to call this guy. <laughs> and I called him right then and there. And it was absolutely correct. He had, they just had the baby, middle name after his dad, sent me a photo of the billboard with his name on it in New York City. It was such a gift from his dad and for this young man to know that my father knows all about his grandson. This mm -hmm. is the thing, Ariana, that people don't realize that our loved ones who've passed, they don't miss the birthdays and the graduations and the weddings, and all those things. They're right there. They see it. Every time I do a session for someone, the spirits I work with know they better tell me something that's a current event so that their loved ones realize we're still part of your lives. This is not just a one-time reading. We see everything. Mm -hmm. So I wish everybody could not just hear and maybe understand intellectually the concept, but really feel it. How much more beautiful would the experience of life be without the dread of death, the dread of losing yes. loved ones and then going through the grief because one is not able to touch them or perceive them as one was used to. Yeah. I have uh, my wonderful friend, Lynette, is also my assistant now, and she's visiting me this weekend. And she, when I met her, was on crutches 100% of the time, the kind of go around your wrist. She was the crippled lady because she was so afraid of death, she would not have her knees replaced. She wouldn't fly. She hadn't flown in 30 years. But through coming to know me and my work and mediumship, and connecting with her husband who had passed and her father and her mother and introducing, being introduced to other mediums and having her own meditation practice. She's now had the surgery. She goes hiking. She flies all over the country and the world. She's a different person because she has no fear of death. That's wonderful. Yeah. And so there's one thing. So for example, I myself, uh, I personally have always believed First of all, that there is things that each and every one of us can tap into. Some of us uh, have quicker or easier access for one reason or the other. There's people who are just completely connected, <clears throat> such as self. And so I've always known seeking out uh, individuals who are gifted mediums or have other offerings that they bring into this world that this is for real, this exists. However, there's also a lot of people who don't really have any business at the current state of the journey they're at to offer services in, let's say, mediumship, right? So they actually are not able to provide what they say they can offer. How can those who are looking for someone that can, let's say, help them connect with a loved one that has transitioned and make sure that they are actually working with someone who truly is connected and is the, quote, real deal? That is such an important question. I'm so glad you asked it. The best way is word of mouth from somebody who has had a good evidential reading, evidential meaning you got, they gave me information I couldn't have known. And then another, the, the test of any good reading I teach my students is that your client left and said, that was my loved one. There's no doubt. I know it. I felt that I knew that was them. But so word of mouth is number one. But other than that, find some 
service that vets their mediums, that tests them. I'm speaking particularly of an organization called HelpingParentsHeal.org. That's mostly for parents who have children who have passed, but anybody can go to that website and look at their list of mediums. Every one of them has been through an incredibly rigorous testing process where they had to do blind readings and be scored and show evidence. So anybody on helpingparentsheal.org's website, any medium on their provider's list, I would trust. And then there's a new service called verysoul.com, B-E-R-Y-S-O-U-L. I'm on the board of advisors for that. And they are bringing mediumship to the world in a very credible way by helping mediums do practice with each other, then practice with family and friends, then practice with people who aren't in deep grief until they have enough really good experience and enough really good reviews that now they can do readings for the general public. And all of this done from the goodness of their heart, not for money until they get to a certain level. And then people can choose whether they want that medium or not, but they have to volunteer a certain number of free readings every now and then. It's really done with integrity. And I just can't speak highly enough about those two. And that's, but there are other places that will support mediums and they say they're really good, but those mediums pay to be on there. So you just don't know. So ask around. And I always give people the benefit of the doubt. I like to think that people are coming from the best possible place, but that's why the word of mouth is helpful. Absolutely. And thank you for sharing those resources. So verysoul.com and helpingparentsheal.com. Org, helpingparentsheal. Great. Thank you. I'll make sure to also place that into the show notes. So... There's something you teach practices, for example, one that fascinated me was called the sitting in the power, where you consciously raise vibrational levels so you can maximize energetic potential. Can you explain this practice a little further to us, Suzanne? Yes, I studied with, at the Arthur Finley College back in 2009, and I just kept saying, what are they talking about sitting in the power? What is this? Do you have to feel like this, all powerful? But power is the life force. And we can't not sit in the life force. It's breathing us now. It's flowing through us. But to be to sit in the awareness that this life force is what's animating us, giving us life in this body. And even after this body's gone, it's the power that allows us to have experiences. To sit in awareness of that, to pay attention to that, and then to use processes, systems again, to turn up the power such as a basic chakra clearing exercise. Mm-hmm. There's, I have a lot of free gifts on my website, and one of them is a recording called The 10-Minute Transformation. And hundreds of thousands of people have used this to build the power. I even have, I have recordings with binaural beats to help your brain and train to a nice expanded state of awareness. And I have a whole recording called Building the Power. It's just harnessing what's already here and using more of it to open you to greater insights and guidance and peace. Fantastic. Thank you so much for those offerings, Suzanne. And that actually leads into directly into a question that I also had, and that is about the advice you would give to individuals who are seeking to embark on a spiritual journey and who want to deepen their spiritual practice, but they're just completely overwhelmed and unsure about how yeah. to do it. 
This so, is, we hear this so often. I just switched servers on my website because the demand was so high and my website is so big because I have so many resources on it that it was crashing all the time. And now I'm so happy because it's not no longer crashing. But right on my homepage, about scroll halfway down and a little pop-up will come up with a free ebook called Where Do I Begin? Because there's <laughs> so much out there and it's presented like a menu. What are you trying to achieve? Well, try this and this, or that's your goal. Try this and this. And it's all going to come back to those three E's again. Now, here's where you can get the education. Here's how you can get the experience. And this is what you do to engage higher consciousness. Fantastic. That's wonderful. I know I'm going to go directly there <laughs> for a conversation. Yeah. Can yeah. you share with us, are there any uh, particular things that are coming up that you'd like for our audience to be aware of, Suzanne? Oh, thank you for that opportunity. Yeah, we have a cruise to Alaska that I just found out is about sold out seven days and uh, eight days and seven nights. Yeah. Uh, cruising from Seattle to Alaska and back with me and a beautiful community of kindred spirits learning all about how to connect and the awakened way of living. That's in August, but they do have a few births and a waiting list. And then I have workshops in the Omega Institute in New York, a three-day making the connection workshop. Reno, Nevada, personal mediumship, how to connect to your own loved ones. London, England in October, personal mediumship. Some events in Denver in September. And my monthly webinars will pick back up again in September as well. I'm taking the summer off to prepare for the cruise <laughs> and other workshops coming up. Wonderful. And lastly, but not least, there's one question I love to ask each guest, and that's about a practice or practices. It could be something new or something that's been with you for a long time that has enhanced your human experience. It would definitely be that sitting in the sitting in peace, the sip of the divine. But I teach a seven-step method for connecting across the veil. I call it the bless me method, where those letters are an acronym for the different steps, and it's transformational. I, I've taught it to people who've been meditating for decades, and they say, this just got me into a deeper state faster and held me there and provided more experiences than anything I've done before. So you can that's also free on my website in the gifts section, and it's called Seven Steps to Connecting with Higher Consciousness. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Suzanne. And people can reach you best if they want to learn more, of course, by your website. Any other place? That yes, you SuzanneGiesman.com. And we have a free app now that, let's see, we're up to, we've had it just a few months. And we have 23,000 people every day reading these messages that I get in meditation each morning from Spirit. Over 5,000 of them are in the app. There's a little button where you can ask, what do I need to hear now? Push the button and one of the messages pops up, but a fresh, beautiful, inspirational message every day. So go to the go to your app store and it's free and look up Awakened Way. And then I have podcasts about every two weeks. You can sign up to be notified in advance because they're usually live events. Sign up for that on my website as well. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today, Suzanne. It's been such a pleasure. Really appreciate you making the time. I'll say, I just the more people we can help to know that this is not woo, this is reality, and it's right here ready for you to just dive in and just bring miracles into your life. For me, a miracle is when the veil parts enough that we know I'm not alone. This mm -hmm. life is not all there is. And 
as my guides say at the end of every message, you are so very loved. Mm. That's what we need to know. Mm. What beautiful words to end this conversation. From my heart to yours, thank you so much, Suzanne. Thank you. For those of you who want to do a deeper dive and start optimizing mentally, physically, and spiritually, head over to my newsletter to superhumanize.com slash newsletter and sign up. Superhumanize. Accelerated evolution. 